When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by the Florida Surf Film Festival and presented by Surfing's Evolution and Preservation Foundation. Well done. And uh, yeah, we're happy to have their sponsorship. Uh, It's nice also to mention that as of November 1st, we became part of the Surf Splendor Network. Yeah, couldn't be more thrilled about that. Um, David's been uh, a, a bit of a hero in that regard to both of us and have we've long listened to his podcast and felt like it was uh really the best surf related podcast yeah. out there and he's so, ta- he's talented he's hardworking. he's like you know brings you the entertaining content from you know chaz smith and also from uh scott bass yeah scott bass and mm-hmm. obviously lots and lots of names i think my favorite of his has got to be the five-part uh interview with dick metz yeah i, I, I never really knew dick or about Dick Metz, but uh, he's a legend. We had him at the festival in June, and uh, what a treat. So, um, you know, if you're looking for some great listening, I think it's episode 300 to 304, and then he does one a little bit later on, like 375 or 400, something like that. But check him out, and, uh, well, we got some news. We made it through a festival. Yeah, yeah, we weren't sure we were going to be able to do this. Uh, we had a hurricane, the second hurricane in three weeks, hit the Florida coast, uh, Hurricane Nicole, literally hit two days before the festival started, and we weren't sure if we were going to be underwater or just wiped off the face of the earth in yeah. general. <laughs> I mean, you know how laid back I am, right? Yeah, yeah. Kevin never worries about anything. <laughs> That's the number one character trait of an accountant. <laughs> yeah, I am an accountant. Um, we, we came into that week with uh, kind of like this storm out there you know, like, there's no way it's going to yeah. come and strengthen and hit Florida in November. It's too cold. Like, we already had a cold snap. Yeah. And, and it was impossible that it was going to happen. And I just, you know, uh, I don't know what happened. I mean, it went from zero to 60. Everything went crazy real fast. Wasn't sure if anybody was going to be able to fly in. Um, it turns out that uh, Kirby and Courtney Brown, who attended the festival, they are the uh, the duo from Facing Monsters. Incredible Anyway, they made it on Tuesday night. We took them to dinner. Uh, we put them to bed after 40 hours of traveling, and then we uh, hit the road the next morning over to the condo to ride that sucker out. Yeah, it was uh, an interesting thing to once again uh, ride out a hurricane in an oceanfront condominium on the eighth floor. I don't recommend it. It's terrifying. The building, the, headboard was the building shakes. Yeah, the headboard of the bed was knocking against the wall because the building was moving so much in the wind. Yeah. Well, our condo took damage on the. Uh, on the uh i mean the the storm shutters were like accordions right and the track came out and there were like wind sails on ian john managed to somehow save the doors from breaking and all kinds of stuff because he was staying over there but uh the this this one we had no storm shutters and there was water sloshing around in the base of the windows because the screen door or the sliding doors were like bending 
yeah water was yeah. coming in then just like buckets of water hitting the door running down into the track and then eventually that track overflows and so yeah we had a little uh, mop up duty at like 4 a.m but um i i have to think it was pretty cool for kirby and courtney they're never gonna forget this trip no we did ribeyes we watched bullet train and then we went full-on hurricane from there on out yeah and then and then we recorded this podcast which was amazing and um we were so thrilled to have them because uh as it turns out uh on friday night their film uh screened and we were able to announce to them and the fans attending that their film had won uh, for best documentary uh, film for features from, for features yeah from uh, director Bentley Dean and then also uh, won best cinematography and uh, we were lucky enough to meet uh, the cinematographer Rick Rafici uh, over in California when we were at Taylor's Salento Surf Festival and so that was super cool and it's always amazing when it works out that way when uh, when a film that wins an award much less two awards is screened in November and the Either the directors, the cinematographers, or the athletes are there, and we get to present them the award in person. Yeah, and uh, it, it just worked out that way. Not so. everybody knows that uh, every movie we show for the year is included in competition, and we don't award films just for that particular weekend or quarter. So we we save up all the films, we send all the links to the jury in October, about mid October. We give them three or four weeks to watch. I mean, the feature films totaled like 12 hours of, of screening. And <clears throat> folks like Matt Warshaw, David Scales, and Chad Smith, and Lauren Hill. Scott Hewlett. Yeah, Scott Hewlett. Joe, you know, a lot Joe of, Terpel. A lot of people just give their opinion, journalists mainly, and um, but other filmmakers too, Keith Malloy. Taylor and, Steele. Taylor Steele. So we come to these decisions, uh, not lightly. We want them to be well thought out and... Uh, we have a scoring grid, you know, we get 10 points per jury member and they give six to the winner, three to second place and one to third place. And we tally them up at the end of the year. I'm an accountant. Yes, so yes. I, there's I, a lot like of tallying. number crunching and there's the whir of the uh, the machine. You pull the handle and it's spitting yeah. out the top. And But, and, but speaking of tally, we, yeah. we have the tally for uh, for everything. And so in, in the feature category... Um, as we said, Facing Monsters takes home the double win with Best Documentary and Best Cinematography. Um, best Surf Movie goes to Ben Wyland and Island X. Uh, best movie. Soundtrack goes to our man Ben Gulliver for Hail Mary, in which he composed the entire soundtrack as well as shot the movie, directed, produced everything. One man show. And then our Viewer's Choice Award goes to our man across the pond, Peter Hamblin from London with Sweet Adventure. I mean, all well-deserved awards. Those Viewer's Choice Awards are not taken lightly. We take into account a lot of things. Uh, fan response, um, feedback on social media. Overall um, points in overall, the voting yeah, grid. Yeah, overall points in the voting grid. Uh, so that is... Um, not an award to be taken lightly. We just want to thank Peter again for choosing us to world premiere. I think, no, I don't know if we were world premiere. But anyway, East it was Coast really, premiere. Yeah, yeah, East Coast. But that, that said, I mean, those features were one of the best slates of movies we've ever had. And, uh, you know, I remember David Scales sent us an email the other day. So congratulations, guys. This is a, an amazing lineup. Yeah, yeah. We had several people comment that it was uh, possibly the best lineup of films that we'd ever sent um to the jury i kind of knew we had that but uh, it's always I, nice to get I, the validation i didn't make though. any of the films i just <laughs> yeah we just, we just put them together we just put them together it's not <laughs> like it takes a 
tremendous talent to do that. But the, the effort, obviously, the legwork, I mean, we should pat ourselves on the back for this year. It was a good year. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Coming out of COVID. And um, beyond patting ourselves on the back, we've got some short documentaries we need to uh, yeah, share yeah. with the Yeah, so awards in the short documentary category. Uh, best documentary uh, taking home the win is Keith Malloy with Beyond Sunset, his uh, short movie about Emmy Erickson and her relationship with her father. Yeah. And um, just a fantastic film. We had the pleasure of meeting Emmy, and uh, she has agreed to do a podcast with us. So that'll be coming down the pipe later. Yeah, she's a Rourke uh, ambassador as well as a Yeti ambassador. So that lines up with us nicely. Absolutely. And then best cinematography goes to none other than Morgan Mawson. No surprise there. Yeah, that's. Uh, I've had relatives that attended who were not surfers. They're just blown away by the work that he does every year. He seems to put together just crystalline dreams yeah absolutely uh best surf movie in the short category goes to dna um the cola pinto brothers uh project done by jacob vanderwerk and kyle boothman yeah great i mean obviously the performance surfing in that is uh well captured by those two veterans i mean they know how to do it absolutely and then best soundtrack goes to our boy matt costa with donde los terremotos yeah Matt, that, good job, bud. Yeah, that was well amazing. Scored. Absolutely. And he has some original work in there, um, which was fantastic. And then viewer's choice, as Kevin was saying, uh, not to be taken lightly, goes to The Color of Winter and director Pat Stacy. Yeah, Pat, congratulations. That's amazing. Uh, Stoke, you got away from the wave pool for a little bit to uh, <laughs> yeah. make an incredible movie. We were blown away when we got it. So everybody uh who took home an award you should be really proud you're up against some stiff competition just some incredible films one memorable one that i would point out is uh, nancy from new zealand yeah um three minutes short about a, a woman who was 91 at the time of the filmmaking and she uh, was still surfing a little bit and uh getting mm-hmm. out in the water really uh just a wonderful spirit and she no. she passed away about i think th- two or three months ago at yeah. 93 so yeah nobody movie. nobody more more stoked than that lady either like I you know, can see right? it on her face when she's riding a wave like lay just laying down prone on a little styrofoam coolie and uh just absolutely thrilled to be riding one foot white water and that's what surfing should be about absolutely what do you say we get into this hurricane chat with uh, kirby and courtney brown yeah yeah i can't wait We have a question on the floor. Question on the floor. Kevin wants to know if Kirby's fucking nuts. The same question would be asked of me, too. I've not used a condom, but I've been crazy. No. John, what do you think? What do you got? No, yeah. We're uh, we're super stoked to have Kirby and Courtney Brown with us um, via a 40-hour flight from West Australia, via uh, Sydney to Los Angeles to Orlando and straight into Hurricane Nicole. And now we've just been holed up in a condo for two days. But, um, yeah, it's been great to have these guys over here. And uh, we're thrilled that you guys were able to make the flight and, uh, and make it to show the movie. Um, and uh, on that note, uh, tell us a little yeah. bit about your movie, you know, and kind of how it got started and that sort of thing. Yeah, thanks for having us, boys. Of course. It's good Absolutely. to be here. Well looked after so far. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. It's great to make the trip over. Ribeyes and potatoes never killed an Aussie, right? <laughs> Bloody beautiful. 
<laughs> no, it's such a mission to get here, but um, it's, yeah, you it, were just here. Like uh, we, we were, we actually met you at the Salento Surf Film Fest. Uh, John did. I was wandering around trying to stare at pretty girls, probably or something. But the uh, the fact is that you guys have done this once already, but it was a much more extended tour the first time. Yeah, I guess we were first bringing the film to the States last trip and um, Quartz wasn't here on that one, but I was over here with Rick Graffici, a cinematographer for the film, and that trip was super busy. It was pretty crazy. We had a pretty hectic touring schedule and and kind of took it around the country and started on the West Coast and we had a had a quick few days on the East Coast and funnily enough, the last time I was here was Hurricane Ian and the weather was crazy and I've timed it perfectly again for another big storm. So the last two times to the East Coast, it's just been riding out storms. Note to self, never invite <laughs> Kirby Brown to America <laughs> again. I think I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing the weather with us every time. So the, the movie's called Facing Monsters. It's going to show tomorrow night at Florida Surf Film Festival. When you hear this podcast, it'll be, have already played, unfortunately, but... Um, he is uh, has done the tour once, and I think you hit was it like four weeks or something? Uh, just under three weeks, but it was like pretty continuous. Kind yeah, of every didn't, night didn't have much know. rest, and we started off at uh, Taylor Steele's Salento Surf Festival in Encinitas, and that was a really cool event, a good way to kind of kick it off and, and bring it over to you guys, and it's, yeah. it's been received really well and and real positive, and it's been. A cool experience to bring it here good deal was that the world premiere at taylor's or had you guys shown it in australia before that uh yeah so we kind of been rolling it out in australian cinemas for probably a year before we got to come over here just with uh, all the covid stuff and right. that kind of delayed everything i guess just it, it, for the last during the making of the film we kind of made it in the peak of covid and when all that was hitting and, and kind of the nature of what we're doing because we're kind of in remote locations and I'm, you know, I don't want to travel and, and trying to just get away from people in general. So it kind of worked in our favor. We were able to, to go into production when everything was kind of getting locked down, yeah. but yeah, just the whole process and, and the post-production, the editing and rolling it out to the point to get it finished was just through all that crazy time and it was real delayed to get to this point so yeah it's been we've been touring with it and doing a lot with it for quite some time so a uh, three-week tour in america that's obviously huge and fun and then we also saw a couple of uh wide cinema releases here where some people around the u.s have already been able to you know see it if they wanted to um but uh that whole process started with what who was the idea behind this movie and and how did it get how did it get going it really, yeah, it, it was never kind of planned. It, it was more, we were shooting, I'm good mates with the cinematographer Rick Rafici, and been a good mate of his for a long time now, and, and he's an incredible cinematographer, and he, he he's very passionate about shooting those kind of waves. And so before the production came about, we'd, we'd just go and, he's usually working on high-end film stuff, and, and I used to work away, so just, any opportunity we'd get together and just chase swells and kind of shoot and his footage is amazing and usually shot on the high-end kind of cameras and reds and phantoms and all of that so we kind of just shot with no purpose just because 
we both love it really and we never really wanted to throw it on the internet so we kind of held on to most of the footage and just sat on it and didn't really know what we're going to do with it and so that was probably the we shot a lot of stuff about five years before we went into production for facing monsters and we kind of just had this footage and because he's hooked up in the film industry uh it kind of organically happened like we got the opportunity got um some interest through a few people and then uh, screen west and lottery lottery west and a few people um kind of came up with the funding and it, and it kind of was always going on in the background i wasn't across a lot of it it was just kind of happening in the background and rick would kind of fill me in bits and pieces but yeah it got to a point where they said okay we've um there's all this interest and people want to put in money and they had funding and do you know do you want to do this and uh it was a huge you know it wasn't uh, a decision i made lightly you know it was a big call for me to put myself out there and i'm super private kind of reserved person so to put your life out there and, and get on camera and especially with my putting my family into it as well and yeah. um it was something that i it was a big call for me but uh in the end it was yeah it all kind of went forward and i think that well and to that end your movie wouldn't be the same without you opening up like that because the um i don't want to spoil it for anybody but the 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 impact of what decisions you make for your life impact them greatly and then obviously the uh the relationship with your brother too was 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 huge there court's sitting here with us how is uh how is this whole process from beginning to now for you you give us a background yeah no i was um i was stoked when when i heard that they were going to make a film just because curbs has been by my mind ever since i was a little kid so it's pretty awesome for everyone else to get to see what he's been up to because he just he only does it for himself. He doesn't really care about anyone else. So, uh, yeah, no, I think they um, they did an awesome job and it, it seems like it's been received really well. So, no, I'm stoked. How do you how do you manage 12-hour difference drive-wise uh, to tow them at these, uh, at these spots? Most of them are down southwest, right? Yeah, like, yeah, that was the hard part, I guess. And it was, that was another reason it was a great reason to do the film is because we haven't had a lot of time to surf together because he's he's working crayfish and i'm working away we got other stuff going on so this was kind of allowed us to come together again and and spend more time together and, and chase waves again uh, more than we usually would so mm. um that was that was awesome and but also difficult because yeah we're trying to do i'm trying to chase swells and go and get him can, are you available and he's trying to work and it was yeah it was a lot there was a lot going going on and and to trying to pull it all together and and have everyone available and make the most of that production time which was quite short it was only a few months but we've been doing these stupid dri drives ever since we were teenagers like we'll drive like 12 hours for a surf drive home and we'll get home and curbs and be like oh this wave down south could be on and that's another 12 hours just to get there and we'll get there <laughs> finally rock up the next day and it'll be flat and <laughs> not even breaking it'll be yeah uh, have to drive all the way back home so 
I mean, the big drives, the crazy hours, we've, we've been doing that forever, so that was nothing new, but... Yeah, West Australia's massive, and we spent, since we were teenagers, young teenagers, we've been driving up and down that coast relentlessly. Mm. <laughs> and I'm, I'm curious, um, you said it was, it was kind of a big call um, to, to have your life out there and your personal life and your family. Yep. Did anybody in the family uh, give you any pushback? as far as being willing to have their, their life out there as well? Uh, yeah, I think like my partner Nicole was a little bit skeptical on mostly putting the kids in there because um, she doesn't really like to put the kids' life out there. Um, at that time, my daughter was only two or three and my boy was like eight or nine. Um, so they're pretty young and, you know, she was concerned about that and she wasn't overly keen to get in front of the camera and, and it took, and, and I was not comfortable in front of the camera either. So it was a huge step, for, you know, for all of us and it kind of was a bit weighing on me, like putting, like, seeing as though I'd committed, it kind of meant that I had to bring my family into it because I wanted it, the story to be real raw honest and and you know it, it wouldn't be what it was without my all my family in it courts and my brother and my kids and 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 a couple of my good mates that are in there so i kind of brought everyone into it which is which was hard because we're all so private and especially a couple of buddies and shanzi that's in there that i tow with down south and he's he's not interested in getting in front of a camera and so it was it was a big learning curve for all of us yeah yeah, that's uh, I will say just, you know, we, we, Kevin and I watch a lot of films. We get a lot of films submitted to us every year. And um, I will say, I mean, I know it's already done and out there now, but it makes a huge difference. And, you know, without that um, involvement, without that, um, gosh, I don't even know the right word to say, without everybody kind of diving in, you know, head first and yeah. really being willing to, put your personal life out there um yeah it doesn't come across well if, if you don't do that and so kudos to you guys for doing that because it would be scary and um but yeah it's uh it really shows in the movie and um what you guys ended up with as a finished product um is so yeah. much better for it yeah cheers yeah i just wanted to do like if i was going to do it you know it, i wanted to have meaning and purpose and really just it's just a snippet into my life what i'm doing um, when the cameras aren't there nothing's changed it's just people get that little view in into my world really so i wanted to keep it real and authentic and we did that for sure what's uh what's bentley's role in uh in the, obviously he's the director bentley dean um how did he help drive that story and structure and uh, involvement with your family and action? See, you know, what, what was his in, um, involvement to? Uh, yeah. yeah. So he came in, and he was he was it was cool because he he kind of he's not a surfer. He was so far removed from our world and didn't know anything about surfing and probably spent very little time around the ocean. Um, which was good, I think, for the film was to have that perspective, like someone else looking in. That it's always dicey, though. <laughs> yeah, it is, and it's hard, well, especially when you've decided that your audience is not just surfers, because 
you know, that's a big decision. It's like, who is your target audience, right? And yeah. You take that on and you're going to say, all right, uh, we're going after a big, more ambitious uh, audience, kind of a free solo approach, like uh, Alex, you know, that was Honnold. Thank yeah. you, his movie. Yeah. So the uh, decision, whenever that gets made at the onset is bold. It's more ambitious, you know, because you put yourself out there. It it's almost makes more sense to do that, to hire somebody who doesn't have our ingrained sort of knowledge already. Yeah, and I guess uh, because it was a, f a feature doco and, and the way it rolled out and it was always going to be made for cinema and I guess you need these uh, directors to come in at, and generally they, they're not involved in surfing and, and that kind of part of it. So I think he brought that kind of different viewpoint to the film and then, you know, had some cool ideas that got thrown in there and it was his idea to shoot around kind of that concept in, in there's a like a a different kind of surreal um scene in a in a pink lake mm -hmm. um yeah. that's kind of weaved through the film and and just little different ideas like that he was pretty pretty cruisy though like he would just kind of let us do what we'd do naturally and just he would just kind of go you know what would you usually be doing so it was really i think it's hard for people like that to come in because we're like it's we're so all over the place like everything's swell dependent and west australia so big and like okay we're gonna go 12 hours north tomorrow and then we need to get back for this swell that could be like three or four days later back on the south coast so I think it was a, like, a lot for for them, like for Bentley to get his head around, but he was he was cool in the fact that he would just kind of go with the flow and let us do what we're doing and and let everything unfold as it naturally would. Yeah, right on. So, hey, how about the the ski experience? Did you guys have that from early on? You're dealing with life and death situations, and and you're sitting there, and you're kind of like the man on the on the on the driving stick, right? Yeah, it's kind of like second nature now. Like, we've been doing it for so long. I think we got our first ski in there in my early teen years, and um, that just evolved. But well, when Kebs got, I don't want to say too much, but when Kebs got injured, that was kind of the heaviest situation I've ever, well, we've both ever been put in. Um, never had anything that extreme happen, but I mean, the amount of times I've seen him get put into the back of an ambulance or taken him to the medical centre. <laughs> yeah. Like it's nothing new for Curbs to get hurt. <laughs> because oh, it just comes with the territory. Like you want to surf those waves, you can't, can't not get injured. But, um, but yeah. So that came from an early, like, you know, 14, 15, you're already practicing. Yeah, yeah, we get and our first. Curbs 39 now, and uh, <laughs> is that public knowledge? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like 20, it sounds old when you say that. It. <laughs> it, it sounds young to me. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Kirby's 29, and uh, yeah, so how old are you, Court? He's five years um, younger. Yeah, 34, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think we, yeah, we've been doing it for uh, a while, like close to 20 years we've been towing, and yeah. obviously it didn't start in waves like that. It just kind of started towing fun waves and then that led to a few of the reefs around around where we live and then it, it just progressed it just got it just got bigger and shallower yeah and it was yeah what else you know 
we kind of got sick of surfing the same waves and mm. and, the, and the jet skis kind of came in and, and allowed us to to look at waves that weren't rideable and west australia is just littered with these crazy slabby mutanty kind of waves all over the place and and you know a lot of them aren't considered rideable especially without a jet ski but jet skis came into play pretty early and yeah we just kind of progressed from there you, you ever say no to them on a certain wave uh <laughs> i mean at the end of the day it's up to him we look at a lot of waves and he'll be on the end of the rope and a set will come or something and i'll say oh just have a look at it have a look at it and nine times out of ten he'll he'll let go behind the <laughs> behind the takeoff and I always try my best to get to the channel to to look in and be able to watch, but um, no, he's uh, he's blown my mind on many occasions. <laughs> I'm always I always bounce questions off court, so I'm like, well, what do you reckon? Like, do you do you think it's rideable? And he's like, oh, I don't know. And then he's never like he's always supportive, which is which is awesome. Yeah. Um, when you got the advantage of being the older brother, so at the end of the day, you can just tell him to drive the ski, yeah. right? And <laughs> yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, he's surfs amazing himself, and he's had some crazy waves too over the years. And yeah, uh, but without without um, curbs, I wouldn't have gotten the best waves I've had in my life. No, no, that's without a doubt. A lot of them are sketchy left, so I'm I'm always feeling bad because he's like telling me in so many ways. I'm like, do you want you want to get one? He's like. A lot of the time, he's like, oh, no, I'm happy. I'm happy driving. <laughs> I'm like, uh, not really. <laughs> for, for the record, I'd be happy driving. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy if I just get one, whereas, you know, yeah. I'll be towing curbs for, like, all day, pretty much. Yeah, so when it's all right, like, so, well, I think one day we rocked up to Cyclops, and neither of us had surfed it, and it was, it was pretty pumping. It was, like, late afternoon, and psychos rights onto the rocks pretty much and i was like this is a right i think you're up this time like you're first <laughs> yeah. and i think in that day you straight into it and you got some some really good waves yeah we ended up towing it too dark oh, and wow. i ended up getting it so like in an average day because um unfortunately here in florida we don't tow a lot of waves because we don't have a lot of waves that you need to tow in but um like in a day like that where you you go out and let's say you're in the water you're on the ski and you're pulling into the lineup at one o'clock in the afternoon and you tow till dark how many waves are you looking at is it like a regular session where you're catching a bunch of waves or are you kind of just picking and choosing certain ones because um, like a lot of folks around here wouldn't have a concept of what yeah. that session looks like so talk a little bit about I, that i guess it varies like depending on the location a lot of the a lot of the time it is really slow like you're just sitting and waiting and some of the spots like generally i'm waiting for the biggest lump to come through and i, I don't really want to waste any time going anything that's not kind of the biggest bit of ocean that's getting thrown out that day but um i mean we can sit there we've sat there for six hours and you might have gone like two waves three waves yeah. oh wow yeah some days yeah. some days it's quick and you're, you're getting a, a lot of waves but they're the days you you don't really want to be getting a lot of waves at a lot of these places because yeah no, you're just trying to pick the best the best ones on the day like so, you know you start going every waves the smaller waves and yeah you 
You yeah, can come unstuck and, so and, easy. And that's a big part of it is knowing when to say that's enough. Mm-hmm. And he's good at that because... Kev's not so good at that. Like, <laughs> so it's, it's one more for like 10 more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Because they are so dangerous, some of them, and like the consequences are real full on. And, and if you get a good wave, you're so pumped, you want to get another one. And then if you, you're usually getting a couple of crazy beatings in there. And courts, if I get a good one, courts would be like, I think you're done. You're done for that. Yeah. <laughs> Please be done. And, that, and that's a that, and that's a big part of it. I think is knowing when to be content and and to say, oh, that I'm happy with that because if you keep pushing it, it's it's usually ends in some kind of bad injury, mm. and obviously you know some really heavy stuff goes down, and you want to get home safe. So it's 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 sketchy, but to answer your question like i think a lot of the time is spent waiting and picked like being patient doing this and and sometimes i'll sit out there for yeah like court said five or six hours and only get two or three waves wow but that's all you need yeah that's that's and that's like the opposite of of our sessions here you know here we're surfing small waves and beach break you know a lot of times windswell there's you, you know you go. You might go out and in an hour and a half, you might catch like fifty or sixty waves. Yeah, uh, just paddling around and staying active, and there's peaks everywhere, and so that's a foreign concept, I think, for a lot of folks around here. Um, and then you guys are a lot of times in cold water. Yeah. So are you doing anything while you're waiting? Like, because like sometimes even we're so used to catching like lots of waves. If you sit for ten or fifteen minutes, you, you kind of your muscles yeah. kind of not cramp up but you get a little stiff and like for sure do you have like a little routine that you do not really like like you say it's cold and I, and a lot of the time the, sh- the sharks do play on your mind too like you're mm. sitting there you know it you, like some guys will sit on the jet ski and kind of jump off when a swell comes but okay oh, i never like to do that because it's like you're kind of out of sync because you're rushing it's so. easy to miss them if it's easy to miss ways so a lot of the time that. you're like yeah dangling just in the deepest water just for so long just kind of I'll, I'll stand on my board underwater for ages like and then your legs get sore from doing that and then yeah kind of if you know there's no waves coming you'll just be sitting but you, you you do get cold and stiff and and it's hard just sitting there for that long and yeah then, and then a lump comes and you but you're so focused on, that, you know, trying to ride that wave, then you're not really thinking about how stiff your body is. I'm sure <laughs> adrenaline loosens you up pretty quick, yeah. I'm sure. Um, but in a lot of those places you're surfing, like, it's not like a typical wave where you see it coming from a distance, right? It's kind of like lurching up onto a shelf or a slab. So it's mm. kind of popping yeah. up. And it's never usually like clean lines. It's just like chunks of ocean. Yeah. And like, they'll... You know, there'll they'll be deep ones and wide ones, and you kind of have to you have to kind of pick and choose the what you think's going to be the the best chunk of ocean to to break on the yeah because they're, they're coming out of just so deep water, and they so they do just pop up real quick, and yeah, and even to chase them down on a jet ski, like they move so fast, especially those southern ocean ones. Yeah, and like you are going so fast trying to, to track with it, to track a swell, and and trying to time that to let go and you know be as deep as possible and and just have 
how fast they move and how thick they are and how and short and intense. Mm. It's super tricky to figure it out. Curbs yeah. always wants to be so deep, so it's you're trying to stay behind it and you know go as slow as possible, but then still have enough speed to put him on the wave. And yeah, it's hard. Yeah, like I've, we've missed. We missed. You can't help but miss a few, and oh, you feel well, you feel so bad driving when <laughs> if well, you put him in the wrong spot. You can't practice that. <laughs> no. you, the only way you can practice that's on the actual wave, and so yeah, that's that would make it that much harder. Um, but one of the things I, I remember the f- the first time I watched the movie, and I've had the luxury of getting to watch it a few times. Um, but the first time I watched it, the thing that I one of the things I noticed that I wanted to ask you about when I did get to see in person was. Um, your board choice because I think most of the time you're not wearing straps if I don't if you ever wear straps um, and you're not really riding like a, a tow board necessarily you're riding what looks like a normal shortboard and so talk us through your uh, thought process on that yeah so I guess like I used to wear straps more like years ago uh, uh-huh. as I kind of felt more comfortable over the years and I really try not to use them these days just yeah it's, it's definitely a lot harder and I harder with straps with, harder or without them harder yeah. without and yeah, I, I, I really so. do like to move my feet around and I, I, I naturally I surf quite up my board um, okay so it's a lot of, it depends where you're surfing like that what there's a wave at home where we kind of that opened up these these kind of mutant slabby waves it breaks right on the on the rocks and i've usually all i have worn no straps out there and it's ended bad so usually i wear straps because you're like hopping ledges and it's like it's like a meter off these crazy barnacle rocks so like wow that's one of the waves I'll, i'll usually always wear straps and then if places like the ride on your back end if it's huge if it's like as big as it gets I like to wear straps on your back end just because it's so easy to to just get f- just come off like on bottom turning or coming into it or, or so there's a few couple of waves like that that I'll, I'll wear straps most of the time but if I can help it I I won't wear straps but yeah the boards that I'm riding I found like a 510 is the sweet size for okay. these, these kind of waves and so I don't like I, some tow boards. I guess guys have them weighted. Mm-hmm. Um, I that was, was going to be my next question because, like, yeah, five ten yeah. can be really different because some of those tow boards, you know, some of them are only like five seven, but they're sixteen inches wide and yeah. they're like a ski. Like yours looks like just a regular yeah. I guess tow board. yeah. I guess they are tow boards, but they're more kind of almost semi tow boards. Okay, uh, like a, they they're glass heavy, so they got a bit of weight, but they're not like they don't have lead in them. Um, yeah. I guess for those big open open face waves, you need a bit of weight. But because the waves are so hollow, I like them feeling a little bit lighter and a little bit more sensitive. Okay. I've found that that works for me. But Normal amount of rocker? Or are you adding them a bit more? Yeah, like pretty pretty subtle nose rockers and, and like a fair bit of tail rocker just to fit into that curve. Yeah. But yeah, so I actually um, started getting, I've been riding Simon Anderson's boards for quite a while now and he'd never made a tow board. So 
the first towboard he made we kind of worked on t- together and since then i've had a had a bunch of him um which has been cool to work with him with those boards for something new for him and yeah he's yeah. an amazing shaper and, and he's got a pretty good track record with surfboards yeah <laughs> yeah so that's that, that's been cool to work with him and, and ride his boards in those kind of waves and something that he's never shaped for either so but they work really good but uh, my favorite board in the film we're surfing one of the scariest waves that i've ever surfed it's psycho scary and it, i was riding a board with straps and this board i ride with and without straps but this particular day i had straps on because it was a real low tide and real sketchy and you see it in the doco there's pretty much there's a drone shot and it looks like it's this not even a foot of water i thought my fins were going to hit the right yeah 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 there wasn't a foot of water that's why yeah. it looks like that. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you're just surfing yeah. up into a parking lot yeah. basically some of the yeah some of them i felt like dead so i thought my fins were going to hit the reef um but in i lost that board in the film um and it was going so good and i was so comfortable on it with straps and then that was the only pair of straps i even had so from that point on i just went straight to the board with no straps and and it, it definitely felt a lot sketchier not having that a little bit of security with the straps yeah uh, and and that kind of led into this next session where it was even more sketchy and and i only had new new tow boards with yeah no straps so When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply back to that board you lost <laughs> that second yeah. you should know that um he fell he fell off on this one and he kind of popped off in between these rocks and things and it was psycho there's there was like a foot deep of foam on the surface and anyway we were looking for his board it was bright so it wasn't it was wasn't you know it was easy to find and it just didn't pop up must have got stuck under a ledge and we looked for it for like oh at least 40 minutes yeah, oh, yeah. and it was just not and coming it up. never came up there was three up, skis no. circling the lineup there was a drone looking for it and it like 
dead set was gone like we wow. never, to this day never seen it again and so that yeah, wave in the film is the last wave i've ever rode on my favorite board and it's, oh. and it's just it just disappeared it's so bizarre yeah that's crazy mm. and like so when you get a new board do you like do you like to try to kind of test it out in some like smaller stuff first no or you just you're just like if you get a new <laughs> one you just you're rocking right into 15 footer by 15 foot <laughs> pretty much yeah pretty much like i'll only ride them when it's real juicy and like heavy i don't really you don't test them uh, no i just no. i go straight into it usually nah. um, okay which is which is always plays on your mind you know when you've got something you're not used to and yeah i don't like to change kind of what i'm used to too much like i try and but most of the boards are very similar like i'm not trying anything crazy new no yeah uh like I've, I've they do have quad setups in them but i've only ever ride thruster okay and uh like six six ounce glass i couldn't tell you what the glass jobs are but they're pretty heavy like um they rarely break yeah you've broken one didn't you yeah um, he got crazy beating at this look this the left that's across from the right like one day you got two wave hold down hey, and broke your toe yeah, board broke my toe board two wave hold down and oh. since then i don't really like that wave anymore ah, yeah yeah that'll <laughs> yeah. that'll do it yeah. one of curbs is favorite waves but it's it's psycho it it's um it's so heavy and then at the end of it it just goes into this like dry close out yeah sounds awesome it's terrifying (laughs) (laughs) well and kind of on that note we were talking about this a little bit yesterday um with like the safety factor how often are you guys utilizing a safety team of some sort whether it's just a a couple of mates that are there that are extra guys for you know spotting and looking um or do you ever contract like hey this is my safety team and this is what we're going to do today Oh, we've been so cowboyish over the years, like, no, like, minimal safety. Like, a lot of the time, we've never even had a sled, like a safety yeah. sled. And, like, it's crazy what we've gotten away with over the years. And it's usually, we've never had anyone on safety. It's usually two skis, maybe. Like, there'll be someone shooting off one or just two of us just surf, both skis surfing. But over the years, yeah, like we've, we've minimal safety preparation, just kind of, yeah, pretty. Like to look back on it, it's it's just insane what we've got away with. But the the really the first time we've had proper safety in place was for the doco, um, just for insurance reasons and yeah, yeah. We've never had a boat or anything like that. It's just just skis out in the middle of the ocean and you know we've run out of fuel countless times and got injuries and just just but nothing like nothing crazy serious like injuries but we've just dodged so many bullets i think but after all the stuff that went down and all the heavy injuries and having that safety in place and and really knowing that it kind of did save my life Mm -hmm. um it's really has changed my outlook and and made me want to be a lot more prepared you know and 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 made me realize how how sketchy what we were doing was and 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 how unprepared we actually were but we were just thinking about the waves and you know like 
Yeah, like we would we would drive we would drive out to sea looking for waves until we hit half a tank of fuel and be like, oh damn, this is as far as we can go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we're really pushing it to the limit. I mean, yeah, a lot of the time, like I guess I was living in Perth for those few years. We touch on this in the doco, but I was just barely surfing, like just 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 pretty wild. And just yeah, I was going. I was a bit off the rails there for a while, and and courts were still in Kalbarri, and then we kind of chase these. Like I'd only surf when a huge swell would pop up, and and I'd be like, oh, can, like, and courts would kind of grab me on the way through, and I'd probably just been out for two or three nights. Come off a three-day bender, drinking, <laughs> smoking ciggies, straight into it. Fifteen footer. It's called training. <laughs> yeah, and I just throw myself into the car and like, let's go. Like that was our mentality. Like we, you know, we we were just living in the moment and and just yeah, pretty pretty reckless. This was before kids, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was. I mean, that's a good segue. Uh, I'm just curious what that looks like nowadays for you from an adrenaline standpoint i mean obviously brain chemistry is a real thing and uh it feels really good to to get a wave like that and i mean i, I would think i have no clue how that kind of wave would feel <laughs> but like honestly the uh uh the practice of surfing for me has been always getting away without having to think about anything else and getting a good workout obviously that never hurt anybody um, feeling the momentum and uh, just sort of an adrenaline thing too and I, I, I kind of wonder if that changes for you over time and it, uh, what that looks like now yeah I guess over the years like it was different like growing up in Calbarry and we had like really good reefs and and I was always in the water um, just surfing all day every day and 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 then when it, we kind of progressed into these tow waves and i kind of as time went on and, and i was got so passionate about riding these like heavy thick waves and and i guess my goal was like if i could get one crazy standout wave at that point because i was living quite far away from those deep water slabs because we we're up in the midwest and they're all down the south coast but if i could ride one of those big mutant slabs down there once a year if i could get one a year I'd, that was kind of i was happy with that and that would carry me on to the next year so i've never really i've been more about these big intense um powerful moments and that really stick with me and i guess that's that's where my mindset has always been like i don't need a lot of those to to if I can get like a few standout ones a year, it carries me through and I'm like so happy with that. And then I guess down the track, I, I now I kind of, I moved, I kind of left where my brother lives and my family to go, I moved my family down to, this, to the bottom of Western Australia where all these mutant slab waves are. Cause I, I it was so consuming for me wanting to be down there all the time and wanting to get that feeling and it was so hard doing it that far away so i kind of relocated which was was huge for me and yeah and just once i was there i guess you you, you get that you get to do that more often and, and feel that, that that just synchronizing with that 
uh, how powerful that mother nature is and and that feeling you get of just being out in in the raw ocean in the middle of nowhere no one around and kind of trying to put yourself inside these intense thick waves but it's it's it really is a special feeling and there's so much goes into that one moment it's for all all the stars to align to be able to be there on that day and, and be inside one of those waves it's pretty pretty rare and, and it makes it that special but yeah i just think it's it's a little bit and i've thought about this a lot over the course of my life it's a little bit like uh um way more intense don't get me wrong but fishing or uh football soccer um and you know scoring a goal in the premier league which is basically what you've done on a regular basis with those waves is I would consider that an equivalent, you know, uh, feeling. And uh, maybe like golf, just having a perfect round or a no-hitter in baseball. Um, but you're doing that on a regular basis and having that feeling feel so, uh, for, I don't know what the word is, but it's got to be addictive a little bit too. For and sure. Yeah, yeah. Like you're not living there because it's, you know, just something you want to casually yeah. court. I'd say it's pretty addicted. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But even <laughs> yeah, even living there, like a lot of the waves I'm looking at, like they only break a handful of times a year. So just even to be there on the day that they're breaking is hard enough. Let alone to 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 be there in that in that small window where the tide and the wind and everything aligns, and then to try and get the best wave that's out there on the day. Um, I'm pretty hard on myself too. You know, if I miss like a crazy wave, I'll, I'll lose sleep over it. Like, so hard on himself. <laughs> he has an actual meltdown if he misses one. Because I know that the opportunities are so rare. And if I like if miss a wave that I've seen, I haven't seen, like a, a huge crazy mutant bomb, like, and I've and I'm not in the right spot or I don't get it, like it'll haunt me for like weeks, months, even years. Like I've got waves that in my mind that I've not been on that i've seen that i still think about like years ago um that's how special these moments are and 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 i'm and always very aware that you know that i don't have a lot of time to do this and really yeah wanting to make the most of those those opportunities i guess yeah so um how much are you surfing in between those swells on on normal days so since I moved, like I used to surf every day, like in Kalbarri, where Quartz is living now, um, just because the waves are good reefs and it's just so easy. Um, and then when I moved away from that, uh, there's there's not much in between. There's like just crazy slabby waves, or there's a small beach break. So I think I I've pretty much lost interest, like to be honest, in in general surfing, like it. I got to a point where I was just didn't care for it at all and I wasn't surfing much to be honest like I would just wait for the for the good days and and I was actually working away as well so I'd work five weeks offshore on a, on a boat and five weeks at home so that uh, okay. so that really threw another dynamic in um I that would traumatize me when I'd have to <laughs> in winter and I'd be off to work for five weeks can't surf um and see these crazy big swells coming like that would fucking 
do my head in. You'd be at work having a meltdown, like send, <laughs> send, sending me screenshots of the weather maps, like look at this world, and it's like, man, just forget about it. Like you're just gonna do your, do your own head in. So it is like uh, you know, Nicole's gone through it all with me. Like it's it's all consuming, and and I am so passionate about it. And but it it, it really is a me- like it it fucks with your head. Like yeah, um, I can imagine it. Just thinking about it non-stop and and trying to be in the right place and even when you're home and the swells like you, you're like what well, should we go here or should we go there one spot's 12 hours away yeah and do we or what if we go here and we miss it and the other waves pumping like it's 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 all part of it i guess but um that happens to us a lot here yeah. We're like, what if it's two foot here and three foot there yeah <laughs> but, but then, that's our big dilemma <laughs> sure but then you're dealing with a wave that might not break for another year like if you oh. miss that day or some sometimes it's years before you get it like these waves might not break that way for another year or two like wow. so it's really it's it, it is hard and um we've but, had mental sessions and like curves is just had the nazis ones and like it's all good like just stoked that night and then you'll get a photo of this other spot you know that was he might he might in his brain oh i could have got a better one there and he'll just be traumatized like go from so happy to the foulest mood just like that quickly oh man so on on that note like is there is there an end point for you in your mind is there a wave that you're looking to ride that that if you rode you'd be like, all right, I'm done. I don't need any more. Or is there a, is there a age where you're like, I'm going to do it till I'm this age and then I'm not going to do it. Or do you have you thought into the future like that? Uh, I I hadn't, um, I hadn't felt that way. I've always wanting more, pushing more. I can do more, uh, in the doco I was in, in such a good place. I was felt like, you know, I was, I was so feeling so good and comfortable and wanting to push, you know, the hardest I've ever have and, and get and surf waves that are more challenging and, and really push myself in it. And I really, I won't completely spoil it, but um, I had some life changing injuries in the film and, and that, that has definitely changed my outlook on, on things. Um, not only from a physical point of view for the for the injuries I'm carrying going forward and I've got some bad head trauma and stuff like that that I've been dealing with but um just yeah just to just to see how close you know how serious it really is and how close it could come to, like I was so close to not being able to surf again like I yeah could, um you were so close to not coming home again. Exactly, no, yeah. Not, so not, take not, surfing out yeah. of the picture. <laughs> because yeah, about yeah. not surfing again. Like. Yeah, so, yeah, obviously to see my family, see me um, go through that and my brother was obviously there to witness all that firsthand and see how rattled he was um, because it, you know, it it can be, a, you know, this how much I throw myself into it and so dedicated and such a dangerous thing, you know, it, it is quite, I guess, a selfish thing to do. Surfing's 100% selfish. Uh, <laughs> always will be. <laughs> yeah, and it's, we've all, always known the risks and, you know, my, my family, I mean, Nicole's amazing and she knows how, you know, it could go wrong at any time, but it did. Um, and 
it's made me reevaluate. Like you know, um, it, I think it it took um, really heavy injuries like that, like to 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 get me to take a step back and and look at it from a different side. And you know, it made me really realize you know it's not the surfing is amazing, but it's not the be all and end all. My 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 family and I want to be there for my kids. You know, growing up and. So that's been, it's been a crazy journey and experience and and we've been working through this and I've, I've only just started surfing again, just paddling. I haven't gone into anything heavy yet, um, but to kind of back to your question, um, I've since then, like I never thought I'd appreciate surfing a small wave again, like, like mm-hmm. I have since those injuries. So yeah, um, I've just being back in the water paddling and just just really appreciating just riding a wave and just being able to do that and something that I've definitely lost um, and I've kind of gone full circle and I pretty much started back from the start like I started um, surfing on my, my boy's soft top that he learned on when I was after all my injuries and I got back in the water for the first time and so it's been bizarre but we're at this uh, crossroads now um, where am I going to go from here? And and I'm just kind of working on my my health and and getting my body and and working on some stuff with the the head trauma stuff. And it's I'm not rushing. I'm taking my time with it all. And you know I've I've, I've got nothing to prove. And I just want to do it in my own time and and see where I, I get to and and how I feel at the time. I mean I feel like if you never rode another one of those crazy slab waves again you've had uh, a way better than average career <laughs> at it i mean uh, put you in the top pantheon of like a handful of guys that have successfully ridden waves like that um i can see from the look in your eye it's probably not the last time <laughs> you're gonna ride one of those yeah. but um but yeah just you know cheers on a on a great career thus far and uh Avoiding. I hear the helmet technology is amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at that right now. Yeah, actually. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just cheer, cheers on a great career thus far in in uh, going after those kind of waves and um, putting yourself in those positions. And uh, I'm I'm sure we'll see a lot of exciting things from you in the future, uh, whether it's on three foot waves or <laughs> thirty foot waves. But um, we can't we can't end it without as we, we talked about this before the name of the podcast is surf stories yeah and uh so we are thrilled to hear about your movie and what you've been working on and what you guys have been up to lately but uh uh yeah let's let's uh let's see if you can dig down in the memory bank and and pull out a couple stories for us they can be funny they can be terrifying you probably have a lot of terrifying ones. Yeah, we got some uh, pretty scary but ones. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's uh, let's hear a couple of adventures for the Brown brothers. <laughs> what about when we when we were um, pretty much grommets when we flew to Victoria mm-hmm. with Kobe Abbott and Richie Vess? Yeah, that was pretty. That's hectic. a pretty sketchy one. Yeah, that was early days. Uh, so I was probably only about. 14, 15? Yeah, you, you were really young. Uh, it was like 
it was early when we first got a jet ski, I think, and we'd, we'd been towing some waves around Western Australia and, and I was kind of, ta- I'd been talking to Kobe Abbott and he was going, like, he was someone we looked up to um, at that time. and Yeah, he was in, like, the, in his prime. He, yeah, he was obviously older than us and he was he was wanting to do the same things as we were we were doing so he was like come over and we'll go and we'll go and chase this new slab that's down it's in victoria give, so, give uh, uh, the floridians who aren't very savvy with the geography of australia oh so so it was on the east coast like the um kind of the s- south of new south wales um it's kind of we're, we're traveling across the country which is something we didn't usually do to surf those kind of waves uh, there's this We'd heard about this wave. I think the body, like the bodyboarders, kind of started surfing all these crazy slabs back in the day. And anyway, we've we've kind of uh, Kobe's like, come over and we'll go chase this wave. And I was like, yep, in courts, we'll come. And we jumped on a plane. Not you know, we had bugger all money and linked up with Kobe and Maruba and things weren't very organised. And <laughs> he's kind of like trying to get a car and a jet ski and. Like, when we drive, so we're driving from Sydney to, to Victoria, which was quite, how far was that? Oh, it was pretty far. It's pretty far. It's probably like we, in 10 hours. Another state. And we ended up staying there for like two weeks trying to, it's near Bells Beach. Yeah. But it's south of there. And which we were there for two weeks trying to get this wave and we're just hanging out and waiting for it, waiting, waiting, waiting. And we finally got a, a good day. Uh, it was a pretty mental wave. I've never been back there since, but... um. We got we got some good waves. Yeah, you guys got some mad. You got you guys got some mental ones. I think, yeah, it was that was the day where we were like kind of magazines were in full flight, and I think it was like this ten foot like super thick left. Yeah, um, it was kind of pretty unique at the time. It was way before like all the right and all those waves had been discovered. Like there, there wasn't anything really quite like it at the time, and the bodyboarders yeah found it and. It, and um, so, yeah, it was pretty exciting. It was like this horseshoe left that kind of just like bent back on itself and went into like, was it pretty? It was pretty much straight rocks on the yeah. inside, I think. Yeah, it was, yeah. We got it, anyway. We got a pretty crazy session out there for for, for what for back then that we thought would seem pretty crazy. Um, yeah, these days it was probably <laughs> it was probably I think pretty tame day for, for this. But you found a ski though, and you got. Oh yeah, you, you so we yeah yeah. It's Kobe got a ski. I think he just took his brother's ski brother's without asking. Took his brother's ski. We couldn't get a um a hire car with a tow ball, so he he kind of gave this chick. <laughs> he he kind of swapped this chick. Um, gave her the hire car, took her four wheel drive. I think he just told her we were staying around the city, <laughs> and like little did she know we were driving like. Yeah, he borrowed this this four wheel drive and and. So we got this session and we're like, all right, we, we're going back to Sydney. And it was me, Quartz, and Richie Vass and another Maroubra guy. He's he's crazy and surfer and he's an awesome guy. Um, and Kobe had his little brother there and his little brother was in the car with us. And Kobe's like, I'm flying back, you guys drive. I'll meet, I'll meet you back there. <laughs> And his little brother was in the back seat and he was going to drive with us. And at the last minute, Kobe's like, no, no, you, you come with me, come with me, jump on the flight. Anyway, 
we're, we're driving back to Sydney and we had like 20 boards on the roof, this old jet ski. And what happened was um, the, I think the, the, the trailer tire blew and Courtney was in the front. I was in the back, no seatbelt. Richie was driving and I think it just kind of it put the it made the car lose control basically, and like we were, we were going on the highway, so we were going to you know pretty quick, hundred and ten kilometers an hour on this main highway, and yeah, we just jackknifed. Like I think <laughs> yeah. he hit the brakes, like the tire blew and hit the brakes, and it just sent the trailer jackknife. And I still remember it to this day. We're just on this highway, and we're just instantly rolled and I was upside down that's in slow motion I think oh. we rolled about three times in oncoming traffic holy shit and I was just yeah I was upside down in the back just getting oh I had no seatbelt I was just fucking getting bounced and I just remember just thinking oh I'm a brother my little brother's in the a <laughs> <laughs> little brother's in the front seat and I was fuck, I was that rattled rattled about it and just and yeah we rolled this rolled the car just boards skis bits and pieces everywhere I, I couldn't even I think uh, I think he broke your collarbone and had some <clears throat> other injuries there was ambos and f- fire department yeah it was heavy yeah so yeah we like we just lucky we were so lucky I I, I got pretty fucked up because right, I had no seatbelt and I think yeah I, I was ambo'd straight to the nearest hospital wow. and and um but th- yeah that was and then i think we ended up getting a hire car and drove back to sydney going about oh yeah 20 kilometers an hour <laughs> so i got discharged out of hospital these guys were okay somehow me and courts both had our shoulders all just grated off from like rolling on the, the road um but yeah i got let out i think i had a i had a, like a hairline like a little fracture in my back and broke my collarbone um and then yeah i got they were like, there's nothing we can do, you can go. So we, we didn't even have a car, so we had to get this little freaking tiny little hire car and drive to Sydney in the rain, and I couldn't put my seatbelt on because I was like, so busted up. Oh, shit. So, Were you guys pissed at Kobe? It sounds to me like Kobe <laughs> dragged you down there. You guys surfed, and then he's like, drive my car back. Drive this car that I borrowed back. <laughs> yeah, that, I think, yeah, that's Kobe style, you know. Um <laughs> The grommets can make their way back on, you know. <laughs> the only thing better would be if there had been like two pounds of coke in the back that came splashing out when you rolled. <laughs> Just a quick drug mule running. Back. But, I mean, that was, you know, that was early days and, and it kind of was bizarre because we didn't get hurt in the surf, but we got, we, we got super lucky. We didn't get we didn't die in the bloody yeah, I think car. We rolled car. the car like three or four times, and it's then it ended up perched up in front of a huge tree. Like oh, it, was, wow. it was heavy. Yeah, boards all ruined. I'm sure ski ruined. Yeah, yeah everything was a ride off. So, yeah. and then uh, and then um, Cobes had to break it to the chick that <laughs> I was written on. <laughs> hey, we we didn't stay in the city, and. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, there was no insurance on anything, and it was just a nightmare. I think we, yeah. we had, it, Cobes was like, we had, yeah, it was five grand or something. It's like, <laughs> wow. All right, oh, we got no money. We're Groms. We're just, this is, you know, trying to chase a slab for the fa- first time on the East Coast. And, you know, that was the introduction. And, and to, to go through all that and just, 
I think we couldn't have been keener than ever to get back into it and we pretty much stayed in WA after that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then realised, you know, we've got the best, craziest slabs in our backyard, so we don't need to go anywhere. That's a good way to end it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, Dad, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for flying 40 hours and leaving WA to come here and uh, hang out with us during a hurricane and yeah. show your film and uh we're we're super excited we're going to be showing it tomorrow night as kevin said when you hear this podcast we'll have already done all this but um we're super stoked to have you guys here and uh glad to have you and thanks for sharing some of your stories with us thanks uh, for having thank us you. thanks for having us stoked absolutely to be here Cheers. thanks guys cool how have you busted that story out oh i didn't know what one perfect it's a pretty good story. That's perfect. What you're going to do is like crashing the car. What a couple of legends. Yeah, they deserve that word. Absolutely. Yeah, I try not to throw that word around lightly, but um, it almost doesn't even do it justice when when you say that about them. Yeah, no, I mean, if you had told me when that movie was submitted that I would get to have uh, a sleepover <laughs> with the Kirby <laughs> and Courtney Brown was, and then have it be during a hurricane, and then have Kirby make us uh, Australian cheeseburgers. I don't know. It's yeah. just regular cheeseburgers made by an Australian yeah. for a yeah. It's it really was. good. Hey, Mr. Brown, can Kirby and Courtney come over and yeah. spend the night? <laughs> right on, man. You guys, I mean, they each live 12 hours apart. They don't get to see each other much. So they got, they met up in Perth, flew over here, and then out to California for a fest. And it just, it would, it turned out to be a really nice weekend. I couldn't have been happier with the way things turned out. I was super stressed and uh, pretty much everybody around me was feeling that. Um, but uh, John's pretty good at calming me down, I well, guess. You know, the nice thing, too, is that uh, n- the Brown boys don't get stressed about much. Uh, like, no. <laughs> they're pretty low-key. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, those guys. We got just, to surf with them, too. Yeah, we took them surfing in some really crappy no, Florida hurricane pretty surf. good for our stuff. It, was, I mean, it had size and it had a little bit of energy to it, but yeah. it was a little ragged like side shore wind and lot kind of a lot going on but it was it was killer to be get in the water with them and have yeah. a surf and they were stoked after sitting in the uh, condo for two days yeah it was their first time back in the water and kirby got a few good ones and uh you know so did courtney actually so i don't know i'm easily impressed by waves obviously <laughs> so i thought it was super fun yeah, no, it was just an amazing treat to have those two boys here, and uh, what a couple of nice guys, too. Um, you, you really, you, you look at what they do, you look at the waves they surf, the literal mountains of water that they sling each other into, and and it's pretty obvious you can have no pretentiousness in your game. Dude, and they absolutely don't, not. Like, Did you see that girl crying in the Q&A, yeah. by the way? Yeah. <clears throat> yes. I was like, that's how I felt. <laughs> but I didn't want to show it. But I was like, please don't do what you do anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was like, uh, you got kids, man. Yeah. And uh, what a what an emotional moment. It was a really good Q&A, too. I it thought. was. and But also, too, for anybody that has a sibling that they surfed with or just has a good bond with. Like I said, I, I have an older brother. We learned to surf together. We surfed together for years. And anytime he comes down, we surf together. And like that's just... 
that's a, a relationship that is unmatched on this earth. It's, it's a good sibling relationship, and the, those boys clearly have it. And um, yeah. it, it was funny because they, they're clearly like salt-of-the-earth guys. Oh, yeah. Co- Courtney, in fact, at one point got a little bit frustrated with Kevin and I because we were uh, we were pampering him a little bit, yeah, as man. we like to do. Anytime we bring a filmmaker or a surfer here, we want to show him. We want to put our best foot forward. We, he, he kicked us out of the kitchen, and you know, you know, made us let him do the dishes. I think. Yeah, know, I just was fed up with. Anyway, they're they're class. That's yeah, all I can just say. just a couple of class guys, and uh, we had a great time hosting them. And again, just want to say thank you to them for making. Thanks for the sleepover. Forty hour trek from Western Australia over to Florida. It was awesome, you guys. Appreciate you guys coming out all the way. It was really nice. All the fans, our sponsors, uh, the list goes on. But we should mention Monster Energy for bringing all these long-distance travelers to you because uh, their commitment to film and documentary film is obvious on the screen and with our festival. So uh, thanks to them. Thanks to Yeti and uh, Rourke, Globe Shoes. Anybody else? Who, who do we well, got? Well, just a, a quick note. Rourke is now uh, launching their women's line. Oh, so yeah, So we're yeah. going to have some cool Rourke women's stuff uh, down the pipe. Absolutely. Lots of them out there. So I appreciate all the help yeah. from Brian Lehman Financial. and Red uh, Dog Florida Surf Virtual Shop. Schools. It goes on and on. Clancy's. Keep it coming, Clancy's. We appreciate all your help, everybody. So uh, we'll see you at the next one, February 4th. Uh, obviously, we'll have more podcasts coming your way. Cheers.